This episode of Giants and Crowns is brought to you by High Five. Recently named one of Fast Company's most innovative companies of 2018, High Five simplifies business collaboration with a conferencing platform that builds connected cultures. It's the only all-in-one conferencing solution, including intuitive cloud software and purpose-built meeting room hardware. Plus, it's a high-quality experience with a 4K HDR camera and industry-leading audio powered by Dolby Voice. Growing fast with customers in over 100 countries, High Five is already trusted by the likes of Harry's, Rue La La, Expensify, The Atlantic, and Betterment. To learn more and start simplifying your team's video and audio conferencing, visit giantsofcrowns.com forward slash high five. My name's Jeff Stowe. I'm a founder and the CEO of Fig Loans, and we build uh, financial software for nonprofits. Uh, so the mission of the company is really to build a bridge between bad and good credit that doesn't exist today. So the problem is that today we have a very well-established credit system in the United States. Uh, there's FICO scores and you use that and that's how you get loans, uh, credit cards, any sort of access to the traditional financial services comes through that score. The problem with our system is if you are trapped outside of it, it's really hard to get back in. So I'll present you the classic financial services catch-22, right? You have to get credit to build credit. But if you have bad credit, no one's going to give you credit. So what are you to do? Right. Uh, and it's really that on-ramp or that bridge that doesn't exist today. Uh, and that's what we're trying to build at Fig. So how do you, so how, I guess, how have you done that in some, in some capacity? Or, and how are you going to continue to do that? How do you build that on-ramp? Yeah. So the first thing is really thinking about the existing system, right? Like the system is built off of people taking out loans and making payments on time. Um, and so the the first thing you have to do is get, get someone credit, right? And there's a couple of ways that we do that. Um, and we actually started as a collaboration with the United Way uh, out in Houston. Um, and we learned a lot uh, from working with the nonprofits out there. And we still work with them today. Uh, so one of them is actually a credit builder loan. So think of it as a reverse loan. Essentially, say you want to build payment history and you don't really need money today. We can give you a loan, put that money in an escrow account, right? Just like kind of sitting off the side, like think of it like buying a CD. And then you make the payments against this loan as if it were a normal loan. We, we report those on-time payments to the credit bureaus. And then at the end of the loan, we just give you the principal back. Got it. Then what, what do you collect for yourself? Like, how do you guys make money? Yeah. So like you put like a nominal interest fee on the loan and it's kind of like a service fee. Got it. Got it. So for you guys in that sense, the goal is to get to volume in terms of the number of loans you have, uh, you have out to the wild. That's right. And so that, that's one of the purposes. And, so, and most of the time we find that people actually do need the money. Right. And in that situation, like we built out a lot of software around, you know, underwriting risk, understanding how to serve customers effectively. And so in those cases, like we also do grant traditional loans. And that's another way that we make money. So how does all where does all this fit in like this ecosystem of payday loans and check cashing places and all that? Like, is this is this in the same pool or is it is it a completely different uh, league unto itself yeah so it's it's this weird area in between um so 
I would say when we set out to start the company, the goal was to just displace payday loans. We said, look, there are predatory options out there. We don't understand why they exist. Like, let's go replace them with something that's more efficient and better for people. Uh, and, and I would say that was a pretty narrow vision to start. And yeah. it's, it's expanded to say, hey, look, there's a lot of times, uh, like there's a, there's a whole world of uh, fringe financial services uh, after, you know, 36% credit cards. Um, and payday loans, title loans, pawn shop loans, check cashing, like, like they're probably near the bottom. And that's actually the person that needs the most help getting back into the system, right? So to give you an example, like we had, we have a customer, uh, they work as a teller at Chase Bank, right? They got a bank account with Chase Bank. Chase Bank pays, pays them every two weeks, yet they can't get a credit card or a loan from Chase Bank because the credit score is too low, right? Just doesn't make any sense. Right. And this is, this is a perfect case where someone knows how to handle credit. It's potentially that maybe when they were in college, they were 21, they got a credit card. Uh, they didn't really know what they were doing. They made a couple of mistakes and they said, hey, the responsible thing for me to do is to not use credit anymore. And that is a good choice, right? Because they're saying, hey, like I'm, I'm not ready uh, to handle credit, but now fast forward five years, right? Like picture yourself five years ago, like you were a fundamentally different person. That's right. And five years from now, you know, I mean, like GC could be dominating the world. And so fast forward five years, this person is now, you know, saving up, trying to build a home, right? Buy a car. And what they're realizing is their credit score looks exactly like who they were five years ago. And so the, the analogy that we typically use is it's kind of like your driver's license photo, right? Like, I don't know when yours was taken, but mine was taken in 2011. Uh, like a furry hoodie on, and it looks like, like I am today. <laughs> Imagine me today, right, walking into a bag and saying, I would like to, you know, get a credit card. And then looking at my driver's license and saying, I'm sorry, sir, but like in this photo, you have a furry hoodie on. Yeah. And based on this photo, ignoring what you look like today, like we cannot serve you. So, and having no way to prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I guess, um, I guess what I want to do is that is is to understand like how you guys got to this point. Like you 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 talked about how you 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 had a different perspective around the ecosystem and it sort of evolved to where it is today. But like even before all that, like mm-hmm. what what was what motivated you guys to start Fig Loans? And then what is the who's the you guys? What does the team look like? And how has that grown? Sure. Yeah. So um, starting at the top, the Fig team we started as. Uh, me and my co-founder John, we met at a hackathon uh, before business school. That's where all the best relationships are made. I know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a great time. Like we tried to make a side-scrolling game. It sucked, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've been working together ever since. Um, we actually tried a number of different ideas. There were like, right, like two guys who were like, "Oh, like, we want to make cool technology products." And so we did, like we tried to build games at one point, we built a platform for couples and long distance relationships. That can be a subject for a different, a yeah. different call that we have. <laughs> uh, like that in itself is an adventure, uh, but eventually at some point we said, hey, look, like we want to build something that, that utilizes our backgrounds. Like that was the first criteria. Cause like we were like, at one point we were like, we're gonna triple down on Google Glass. Uh, and in hindsight, that was a pretty good move not to. Yeah. But, we said, hey, look, like his background was in finance and mine was in uh, consumer products. And so we said, okay, it's gotta be something in consumer finance. 
Uh, and the idea actually originally with my co-founder, John, he previously worked at a consultancy that actually helped advise the federal government on creating new laws, specifically for payday lending, but for all sorts of fringe financial services. And so he said, hey, man, like I know this industry and it makes no sense to me. Right. He's like, we've got the prime interest rate in single digits, low single digits, and we've got these payday loan guides at like 600 percent. Like this just doesn't make any sense. Like why? Like why does it exist? Why? Like why are people going back? Like what's happening here to create this in, incredible inefficiency? And that's actually how we started looking at the industry. I think before I continue with the story, like for me, the the magic of what we do is actually in the fact that like we go on a limb for uh, for our customers, right? Like when we give them money, we're trusting them, or we're trying to believe. Uh, that they're they mean well and they want to pay it back. Uh, I think that's it's it's a pretty common theme for people who are uh, come from immigrant backgrounds or like I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Uh, it is not the biggest economic center in the United States. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and so like, I've, people have gone on a limb, right? Like any school job right person that spent time with me, like they chose to give me that opportunity of their time or this opportunity to go to the school. And like, for me, like it, it, it makes it more than just an institution. And so if we can come out for these people when everyone's saying no to them and say, Hey, look, you know what? Like, we're going to give you a chance. Like, let's do this together. Like my belief like, is that like, there's much more there. And like, it's, it's the future of what financial services should be. Right. As opposed to like you and your bank never talk and, Right, they just charge you fees, and you're like, "Why are you charging me these fees?" Right. But yeah, so uh, we started looking into the idea, as all good entrepreneurs do, by doing research. Uh, and our our research was cold calling about 50 nonprofits across the United States. What we were looking to learn was, you know, the these nonprofits they have financial coaches on the ground, right? Like they are they are the people sitting in the room, uh, working with the people who might have payday loans. Right. We want to say how, like, what are you seeing? Why are people using it? Right. Like, what are the problems it's causing? Like, what makes it so bad? And that's, that's how we got started. Uh, we learned a ton about it. We also learned that many people at nonprofits, like, they're also potentially in payday loan debt. Because if you're trapped out of the system, it doesn't matter what you know. Right. You're, you're just trapped out of the system. Right. Um, and so from there, uh, it was actually United Way of Greater Houston that was like, hey, look, like we have a huge payday lending problem in Houston. Like this is all the information that we have. Like we could use any help that you guys can provide. And that conversation started in, oh man, I think it's September of 2014. And then six months later, we went out to Houston to present this kind of this theory of like what we thought FIG would be. And this was just the, hey, like, we're going to give you like a payday loan displacer, right? Like in the situations where you have a client who doesn't qualify for a grant or some other like money product that you have, then like coaches will have to say like across America, coaches sometimes say, I think your only option is a payday loan. And we were like, great. Like, don't say that, right? That's the thing we want you to avoid saying like, let's like, let's like, let's be that backstop. Uh, and that's really how it got started. So we moved out to Texas after school, uh, me, John, single bedroom in my godmother's extra room, like in our house out in, out in Sugar Land, Texas. 
And we were driving around trying to build the product, you know, talk to the nonprofit, see who would be willing to help us share this product with their clients, test it out. We spent that entire summer really getting things going. And we actually gave out our first loan in October of 2015. So about a year after uh, we first looked into the idea. Nice. So how were you, how were you guys paying yourselves? Like how were you eating? Or is this, is this top ramen face? Is this is a top ramen face. This, this is, this is top ramen, generous, uh, generosity of my godmother, go to the free food. Got it. Uh, Love it. Right. Like use, you use, use everything you got left. Yeah. Favorite, preferred top ramen was it chicken beef or shrimp or which which top ramen dude chicken is the classic <laughs> uh, my my personal favorite brand is actually uh, it's called maruchan or, or maruchan um, i'm pretty specific about my ramen i think that one's best, <laughs> best. i respect it <laughs> i respect it you know i i didn't start appreciating appreciating ramen until i moved to new york so it's i i, I can relate to that to an, to an extent um well, that's awesome. So, like, so what can, can you walk us through what happened after securing those loans? Like, what were what were some of the or distributing your first loan? What were some of the major inflection points for Fig Loans and for you guys as a team? Sure. Yeah. So, I, I think the first big one was going to TechStars. And when did that happen? So, that happened in February of 2016. Got it. Uh, we didn't really kind of applied, said, "Hey, like, we're not sure what to do next." And like for what it's worth, like these guys follow through on every promise that they make. Like we met, uh, we met like we talked with our MD. Uh, we we actually went out to Seattle to do the program because there's a company out there called Remitly that was like, hey, look, like we're we're a TechStars alumni. We're interested in trying to help you know future fintech companies grow. Uh, and true to their work, like when we got there, like they've been very, very, very close to us ever since. And even some of their people have joined as investors in Fig. Nice. So that that like that program, I, I can't say enough about that program and, and how transformational it was for us. And uh, it also really got us going, right? It, it showed us how do you build a business? Uh, like what are the metrics that people are looking for? Things that like you can kind of look up online, but you're not really sure if you're getting the real deal of information. Right. Yeah, uh, so we did that, and then I would say the next inflection point is probably when we raised our first round. Uh, so that happened in September of 2016. Uh, we raised uh, a little over a million dollars, and the goal was to say, "Hey, like let's let's show that we can do these traditional loans and not lose all the money that you gave me." Yeah. So what can you kind of break down for us? Like, what is that? What does that look like? Like from an operational standpoint, you have the now you've received the money. What are you doing? What are you? How are you building fig loans? What what is what does that look like? Yeah. So the first thing was to say, hey, like let's set out our hypotheses. So the way that we underwrite loans is, I think, pretty unique. Uh, so we actually take cash flow data or like your bank statement. And what makes this special is that like our bank statements are not very useful. Uh, cause they just show us paying off our credit cards. But you remember, or if you think back to a time when you just had a debit card, like probably in college, uh, and you just use that thing like a credit card, right? Like you just go around, you select the card and like, right. that's great. Right. Um, that's what our clients look like. Uh, so for people who don't have access to credit cards, like they typically use their debit cards, like a credit card. And so now you have this super rich data set 
that shows, you know, when they get paid, how often they get paid, how much they get paid, uh, how like when they pay rent, how much it is, how much their electric bill was, how many times do they go to McDonald's, like, right? Like, do, do they go to Starbucks every day at 4 p.m.? Like, there's there's amazing data there that I think has really only become available for like, again 2013, like like really like with the rise of the open banking APIs. And so we built our underwriting off of that. We said, look, the FICO score today, right? Like uh, to go a little bit deep on math, like um, any sort of like regression or model is built around the data. And if no one is lending at low FICO scores, then there's no data there. And so any sort of prediction at, for a low score is just an extrapolation of all the data points that you do have. And so we, we really start to say, hey, look, like, this extrapolation, like this is not a good measure of someone, right? Like what we really should be measuring is, is this person managing their budget today, right? And like, how are they doing? Uh, I guess, how do, you, how do you determine how well they're managing their budget? That's based off the bank information that you have? Yeah, uh, it's how you spend your money, how much you get, do you try to save? I can give you a few examples. Like there's a typical curve and like now that I'm calling it out, like you'll probably look at your own, your own bank account balance and yeah. be like, yeah, that, that's pretty similar. Like, so what happens is like you get paid and your balance shoots up, right? And then over the course of the month, like you slowly spend it down and then you get paid again, right? So like, it's kind of like, it, it almost looks like a heartbeat, uh, right? Like, like on one of those monitors. Right. And that that's what a healthy bank account should look like. And then you can start to see aberrations in it, right? Like say someone like pretty often, like the examples are like, say like you need to repair your car, not a thing in New York or say you get an ER bill, right? Like, like this has happened to us. Someone's kid breaks their arm. They got to go to the ER, right? And they're out like $300 on a deductible. And like, that's fine. Like they may have had the savings for $300, but now if they have to pay rent in a week, like things are a lot tighter. Right. And this is a situation where had they known about the $300 expense, like they could have saved for it. Right. Uh, but they just, but they just can't absorb it all at once. And so a lot of what we do is actually helping people smooth their income. Wait, so when you say you help them smooth their income, sure. smooth their consumption, that's Oh, excuse, excuse, I got yeah. the conception, yeah. and that's yeah. through through advice, that's through like coaching through the solution, or like, what is how's that happening, or is that through the use of the product itself? All of the above. Nice. Um, so we partner with nonprofits. A lot of people come to us through financial coaching. So they'll already be in financial coaching, or like they'll meet with like either a coach, social worker, kind of any sort of community member, and yeah. the person might say, "Hey, like." It looks like, you know, like you're like you're short on money. Like you came and asked me like, where, like, where can I get emergency funds? Right. And like that, that, that's how they might hear about FIG. Then once they have the loan out, like we get to have this dialogue. We can have an amazing dialogue with the customer and actually give them tangible advice. Right. So like when they're saying, Hey, like I can't make this payment on Friday. Can I make it, you know, a month from now? Right. Like that's, that's a really important teaching moment where we can say, Hey, look, like, yes, you can, like, that's fine. Like we, we allow you to make that payment, but like, as you're thinking about building credit, right? Like here are the parameters under which you have to make uh, some sort of partial payment. And if you are able to do this, like this will, do, this will have the best impact on your credit score. 
and really allow people to say, oh, like, I get it now. Like, this is what I have to do to build credit as opposed to saying, oh, you know, just, you know, get credit cards and pay them off. Today's episode is brought to you by Brilliant. Head over to brilliant.org forward slash giants and crowns or go to giantsandcrowns.com forward slash brilliant. You know, um, one of the reasons why we started Giants and Crowns uh, is to really focus on and exercise extracting lessons learned. We're hosting these conversations in the hopes that the actions taken by our guests, the decisions they've made can help inform the decisions that we will all make as business owners, as generalists, as scientists, as designers, as photographers, as, as producers, as creatives, um, but even more, more so than all that as lifelong learners. So I, I fundamentally think that, and I think you, you guys would agree as well, to be a great thinker, to be a great learner, you have to have multiple perspectives, multiple models, a diversity in perspective. Um, you need to be multidisciplinary. Brilliant is hands down one of the best places to polish up and do that in an engaged and active, interactive way. And you know, there's, there's actually this really dope quote by Charlie Munger. He talks about Charlie Munger, the partner of Warren Buffett um, over at Brookshire Hathaway and also an inspiration for the podcast. What he says is the first rule is that you've got to have multiple models because if you have just one or two that you're using, the nature of human psychology is such that you'll torture reality so that it fits your models. And the models have to come from multiple disciplines because all of the wisdom of the world is not to be found in one little academic department. That's crucial. Brilliant provides frameworks that are helpful for thinking and solving problems. Brilliant is a place where you can achieve true understanding by getting to the heart of a concept. Their courses are written by leading instructors and researchers who have worked to provoke natural curiosity and guide you through an interactive exploration of deep concepts and principles and ideas. So definitely check out Brilliant. Head over to brilliant.org forward slash Giants and Crowns or giantsandcrowns.com forward slash Brilliant. Support Giants and Crowns by doing that and the first 200 folks from Johnson Crowns who sign up get uh, 20% off their first entire uh, premium subscription year. Um, so sign up, check it out. Let us know how, you, how, how you're enjoying it. Um, when we send out our weekly updates, respond with a screenshot or something. That, that'd be awesome. Let us know that you're part of the crew. Um, all right. Thank you so much. So I guess... As I as I hear you say this, like I, I I feel it's it's awesome what you're doing, but from an operational standpoint, I feel friction in terms of like uh, not negative friction not by any means. I I I, hear, I feel friction in terms of like from an operational standpoint, it, that seems like it's pretty tough to scale unless the margins are healthy, such that you can support that sort of customer service. Or am I completely off base there? Uh, I I would flip that around. Uh, so you are you are you are on base, but instead of saying the margins are healthy, how can we reduce the cost to serve? Right? How can we use AI, uh, like predictive analytics? Mm. How can we simplify the product design so that there's only a, a limited universe of questions or situations that people can be in, mm. and then use the AI to effectively serve those? Right? Like. I'm, I'm not trying to build a chatbot that can just have an open ended conversation with you, but I am very, very interested in someone who is, you know, it's three days before their payment is due and they're reaching out to me. I should be able to know that all of these information 
And I should know, you know, there's 80% chance, like these are the 10 questions you're going to ask. I would probably pick on the airlines when I give this example, but like if, I don't know what airline you fly, but assuming you fly Delta. Yeah. Right. When you call Delta, they're like, oh, like, please give us your SkyMiles number. And you're like, why? Like, I call you from the same phone number every time it's on my profile. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, like, is this about like a reservation in the United States or international? And you're like, dude, the flight is tomorrow and it's delayed. Like, what do you think this is about? Right. And it, it's, it's how do you improve upon that? Right. And like get to the answer and, and maybe even be able to serve someone without having that, like, uh, without having that, like, you know, 10 minutes on the phone. Got right, it. like if you can predict what someone needs, you can really cut down the cost of serve. Got it. So, I guess from a, from a sales standpoint, you're selling directly into nonprofits who are having that conversation and equipping them with the tools to have that conversation in a much more effective fashion. Yeah, uh, that is my dream. Like, like my dream is not that like we are, you know, a big like we serve everyone. It's that we are the tools for the nonprofits. I, I really, really believe community organizations like they are in the right place they know the needs of the community right they're trusted people trusted faces like someone just needs to give them the tools so i guess what, what have you seen in, in in with respect to the sales cycle between your your org and nonprofits? like what is that conversation like Cause I, I don't imagine and this is a guess here i don't imagine nonprofits are courted often um with uh cost-effective solutions yeah so it takes time uh, the first, like the first partnership was a six month endeavor, right? Right. The second one was a four month endeavor, but as you start to, you know, have, have data, uh, like people can testify on your behalf and like give, give a good recommendation. Like that really starts to change the equation that, that, that being said, like there's still a long way to go. Uh, one of the things is, that's really interesting, I think is a lot of nonprofits actually operate their own emergency loan programs today. Um, and it's really built off of one person, an Excel spreadsheet, and people coming in and making payments and getting money in person. Like it is the modern day lemonade stand mm-hmm. for lending. And like this person should not be running a lending program on an Excel spreadsheet that they keep on their computer. Right. <laughs> And that's where we have the best conversations because these these organizations, they know, right? Like they know how hard it is to run the program, right? They know that the customer service is intensive sometimes, right? They know that, you know, everyone wants, everyone's like, oh, like, I'm in the, like I need two days here, one day there. This has to come out before 3 p.m. And like, that's the stuff that we, we really excel at where we can say, hey, look, we know you have this existing program. Like, let's take it off your hands and like, let's run this for you. And you guys do what you do best, which is working with clients and helping them figure out their problems. And we take care of these nuts and bolts of lending. Got it. So it it, it sounds is is it right to say you're you're, you're building I, I guess a suite of SaaS solutions that would work with nonprofits? Yep. Awesome. So on, on that side, then what is what is you know I I've, I have a couple of buddies who run SaaS organizations and they talk a lot about predictable revenue and getting to a place where they can forecast what the revenue is going to look like where are you in terms of uh, figuring that out and how have you articulated that to the investors that that were necessary to kind of get you to this point sure yeah so this is like i i would say we are a late bloomer uh in the in the SaaS world 
right? So a lot of our strength in operating efficiency risk modeling, like that doesn't come for free. Like you need to build the data set to do that. And that's what we've been doing the past two years, right? Doing our own loans, doing these credit builder loans, like just getting our feet wet, right? And like running through the same process hundreds and thousands of times so that we can see where where the efficiency gains are. And I would say today, like we are at the beginning of figuring out the sales cycle. Like we've got three pilots running right now of the SaaS solution. And I would say looking forward that like, I'm hoping to have five by the end of the year. And then based on the data from those five, like that's when we would really make that push. And like, that's where the serious investment comes in. Nice. So I guess what what was what was your pitch to the initial tranche of investors, especially um, with respect to underserved communities? There's like this idea that you know. So I've I've been a part of some pitches where we're pitching underserved communities. We're pitching this idea of optimizing X Y Z thing in this subset, mm-hmm. and the the typical response is that there's no there's no mar- there's no margin there. There's um, and the, the the way the ecosystem exists is there for a reason. You've spoken a couple of times on like why do payday loans exist, six hundred percent interest rate, all these things, or uh, whatever it is. Like that's there because there's it's there's money to be made there. Uh, you have these people by the balls, if you will, so you can sort of just take advantage of it. And if you're a shady or uh, less moral capitalist, go for it. So like, how did you find your investors who are more moral um, and uh, who don't want to grab people by the balls? We'll probably have to edit this piece out. Um, and <laughs> and yeah. how did you convince them to give you up to a million dollars to sit for to to work for two years in a space where people are not innovating? Yeah, uh, that is the crux of our original problem when I went to go fundraise. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like it was we were fighting tooth and nail to convince you that we could do this. Yeah. Uh, the two the two answers I'd have is uh, the first one is just uh, it's a it is a it's an efficiency game, right? Like, can you spend them effectively, quickly, and can you create a lower cost basis? And so, part of the reason why the payday guys have such high price points is because their cost of doing business is high. They got storefronts, right? Like they use like someone tried to sell us payday lending software at one point. I kid you not, like that thing was running on Windows ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they were like, well, check it out. You can organize these by name. And he was like waiting for me like, oh, that, 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 that's very impressive. <laughs> uh, you can sort this by name. So I can do that by Google <laughs> Doc. <laughs> yeah, right? So like, it, it, like it, it's a, there's a, a brain drain, right? Like as I'm, as, as I'm sure you guys have seen, like in underserved markets, like people will say there's no margin. It's like there's a lot less innovation there. And so like that's the first half of the pitch. The second half is look, like there's actually a lot like customer lifetime value is not just about, you know, the first loan that they take out or like this transactional interaction. It's a relationship. Right. And so the pitch that we went out with was that, hey, look, you've got a bunch of people out there. They walk, talk, and act like everyone in this room. They are, by all definitions of behavior, like prime super prime customers, right? Like they should have FICO scores 700 plus, but because of a mistake many years ago, and because the system doesn't allow them to get back inside, they're stuck. 
you know, holding a 500 FICO score and no one's giving them a chance to get back in. And what we're saying is, hey, look, if we get them back in, like, who do you think they're going to listen to when we say, hey, look, like now that you've made it, like here are some good credit card companies that, that you should look into, right? They're good companies. We know them. Like, like you should take a look at their products and stop using ours. That referral is worth so much because it's like your first credit card, the only card that you use, right? Like if you like, if you're a traveler, like you can think about all of the, like the chase card, the Amex card, like all these like 50,000 point bonus offers, right? Right. Like that's hundreds or sometimes thousands of dollars of value that, that they're paying to just acquire a new customer. And if I can go to them and say, Hey, look, I've got a brand new customer one that like no one has ever seen before because you guys all overlook this person. But I can tell you because this has happened to us 10,000 times that this person is going to become FICO score 700 in six months or like whatever the example is like, that's a really, really valuable proposition to a capital one. So that's the pitch. That's, that's the pitch for investors. So <clears throat> I guess what, did, what can you, can you, can you kind of paint the picture of what that process was like? Um, pitching, finding investors to pitch to, provided they would take the meeting. Um, and uh, how did you deal with some of the objections? I, I mean, you touched on one of the major objections, but I guess the initial the initial objection, like how did you even get the first couple of meetings or was Techstar, Techstar is, uh, truly truly helpful in that, in that sense? Yeah, so I think Techstar is really helpful in that sense. Like we typically had a pretty good hit rate on getting first meetings mm. um like where as a founding team like I, I think we're, we're pretty fortunate in that like we have pretty good connections from our prior lives and like they they've been able to at least get us in the door and tech like tech stars intros go you know a, a long way but there's a lot of legwork right like the i'm I'm sure you've been there too. And you're like, I really want to talk to this guy. Who do I know that knows someone that knows this guy? Oh yeah. Right. And then you talk to the person that you know, like, Hey buddy, I know we haven't talked in, you know, six months. Good to see you. How are you doing? Uh, let's catch up. But also like, could you introduce me to your friend? And then you meet this friend and you're like, Hey, like, good to meet you. This is what I'm looking for. And they'll, and they'll, and then they'll say something like, Hey, like, I'm happy to help you if they like you. You say, like, okay, well, there's this person I had in mind. Uh, it looks like you might be connected to them. Do you think you could introduce me, right? Like first order, second order, third order, as many orders as you need to get there, just to just to meet the right people to start. I'd, I'd, I'd say like, I, I think every founder or fundraiser or startup person probably goes through this process. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess, what, what would you say, I guess maybe in my mind, the, the, the aperture sort of has, has reduced because because of the space that you're operating in. And knowing that it is feel at least feeling like it's a bit of an uphill battle in terms of convincing folks who aren't accustomed to, I guess, this mm. this space. They're not accustomed to like the consumer that I imagine you're speaking to. I guess to paint a picture. So I live in I live in Brooklyn now. I'm in Bed-Stuy and yep. I moved to Bed-Stuy, particularly closer to Brownsville to be in or as close to a food desert as possible. Mm-hmm. To kind of inform some other things that, I, that I, I'm hoping to work on at some point, and one of the things you find in, in communities like this is that you have folks who are who are moving in, but they're moving in with a completely different framework than folks who've lived there for quite some time. Like, yeah. there's the request at a bodega uh, start to evolve into like, let's have some kombucha, let's have like, you know, 
uh, some organic bread and these are things that didn't exist before and there's a complete unawareness of how individuals in those communities are living um, and as a result it's hard to see how you can sort of provide an opportunity there um, from an investor standpoint I imagine it's the same so I guess how are you find, how did you find those investors like how did you find those investors who would be potentially aligned or was it sort of a shotgun approach you just kind of hit up as many people as you could and whoever hit that's who you ended up talking to or was it more snipered um, and if it was a sniper, how did you figure out your target? Yeah. So I'd say we started with a shotgun approach. Like that's always, I feel like that, that's where you start when you don't know. Uh, we took quite a beating in the shotgun approach. I think I was like over 20 at one point. Um, it, it really, it came down to, to figuring out, right? Like uh, who is the right person? And like, like this is where like we were out on the West Coast. Right, I went down Sand Hill Road, right? Like investor after investor after investor. Um, and they were all like, what's your growth? Like, well, I, I, what are these metrics for your company? Right. And I was like, I don't think these are the metrics that were like, you're not buying what I'm selling, right? I'm, I'm, I'm selling a long-term vision and I'm selling, uh, trying to make a business where the, econo- where the unit economics are profitable. And that, like, that was a big key learning for us, and it really helped us the second time around. Like, as as we've gone out again to raise money, knowing that, hey, look, our audience is actually people who used to work in finance, uh, or people who have, like, it's truly finance first and technology second, and okay. then the second type of person, of course, someone who's impact oriented. Um, so, like, like, we came out to New York uh, to meet with a couple of funds here. And then also took some meetings with of like shotgun approach angels that we had been connected to. And it was really at like a random meeting with an old professor of mine where I was just kind of catching him up where he was like, Oh, like I'm doing this thing. Like you should come by. I went there, stood up, said like, you know, 30 second piece. And like three people came up and said, Hey, like we're really interested in what you do. And like, that's, that's like that, that, that really turned it around and like helped us say, Hey, like there's actually a background or like a, uh, an archetype for the person who will get get what we're pitching right away. Right. Right. They'll be able to get over that initial hurdle and say, cool, I get it. The math, this works for me. Let's talk about like actually building the business. Whereas like in on the West Coast, I'll go there and like the whole meeting is about, yeah, like I don't really do fintech. So like we can't do this deal. And then kind of wonder why are we in this room to begin with? <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> Get a, little, a couple flashbacks. That's all. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. So I guess fast forwarding a little bit now. So you, you guys, where are you guys today? What's what's the what's the uh, the, the the mandate today? What what are the, some of the big hurdles you have to overcome today? Yeah. So fast forward today, uh, we have figured out a lot of the economics pieces. I, I think we're coming on our first full year of like true like scaling up uh, and like that's been a very 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 interesting process because right things that work when you're serving 100 people do not work when you're serving a thousand people right and work even less when you're serving you know five thousand or ten thousand people um so that i would say the the big mandate today is growth uh and it, it is it's not growth you know um growth 400 in six months it's how do we how do we grow systematically 
and make sure that we're building an effective company all the way up and not taking on debt, right? Not, not putting band-aids on things that we could just fix outright so that we have strong fundamentals going into potentially a, a next fundraise, probably in Q2 of next year. Uh, and so just got to grow. Got it. And the, and the team is, what, what's, what's the size of the team now? Yeah, it's a team of six. Nice. We are a very, very small team. Some people like it, some people don't. For me, I, I'm over-interested in quality team members. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we've been pretty selective and uh, we're quite happy uh, with the group. And, and also, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it seems like it speaks to the way you've chosen to operate the business, which is to be a bit more patient and methodical about how are you going to grow the organization over the long term. Yeah, uh, it's... I think that's right. And honestly, reflecting in hindsight, it's something that, like, without really putting a pin on it, like, that's how we've always thought about it. All right, man. Before we before we jump into our quick fire questions, yeah. uh, one thing I want to ask is, like, what what is something that, that people would not know about you having looked at your LinkedIn account? I think, uh, yeah, I got one. It's kind of embarrassing, <laughs> but I'm going to share it with you anyways. There you go. I love uh, the confidence. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, have, I have the musical taste of a uh, 90s teenage girl. Got it. So that's like uh, Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys? Yeah, we're talking uh, like Backstreet Boys through like NSYNC, like, those, <laughs> like Disney songs. Like those are great. Like great, great melody, super catchy. Like they're catchy for a reason, right? Like everyone's like, oh, that's not great music, but like it's catchy. You like it? You listen to it? Comes on the radio? I just happen to really like it. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I love it. So, so I guess with that, let's jump over to our quick fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So, first question: Biggie or Tupac? Oh, Tupac. Why? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Biggie was. Biggie was always hard for me to relate with. Uh, and I feel like with, with Tupac uh, and Changes, like that just, that was it for me. Yeah, I respect that. Um, next question. Uh, favorite book or books that have been the most impactful to you professionally and or personally? Mm. One of my favorite books, and this is going to come back to the things that people don't know, is The Giving Tree. I've never read that. that book? No, yes, what is Or maybe it's like a kid's uh, book? Yeah, it's uh, by Shel Silverstein. Oh yes, I have. That right, the tree and the kid and the apples. Yes. Um, I read it as a kid. I thought it was like you know, it was so cool that a kid could have a tree as a friend. Yes. Uh, and I actually recently read it as an adult in a bookstore, and it is quite a sad book. Like, like there's a lot of reality in uh, how much the tree gives to the boy. Yeah, yeah. When I uh, as as a as an older man, I'm not. I mean, I'm not terribly old, uh, but. Uh, as an aging person going back and looking and reading like some of these kids books that we were given as children they're actually pretty deep (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) it's crazy right these people are brilliant (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's like they were making commentary about the world at large but hiding it within a children's book Uh, yeah it's 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 a miraculous thing um, awesome. So I guess the next one then is uh, what, what is a, a tool or a set of tools in your personal and or professional arsenal? 
like actual tools or just things that I use? Like favorite tools. Let's say favorite tools, key tools. Okay. Like, sorry, like software or just like how, however you want to define tool. It could be, it could be your chair. Could be, <laughs> it could be your brush, your hair, your hair comb. It could be how, as specific or as technical, or whatever. Just what is like, what could you do without? What would you not do without? Oh, dude, that's, that's a good one. I mean, I think the philosophy of like Inbox Zero is actually pretty and pretty important to me. Like, if I couldn't have that inbox be a straight to do list of what I need to do. Um, like I, I, I don't know how I would get through the day. Um, like not necessarily a tool kind of, kind of more like a, yeah, I mean like it is a process tool, right. Uh, in terms of how it's implemented, like people will have, you know, like if you open your inbox and it's like 10,000 unread messages, like that drives me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually, what, what helped me solve that recently was, uh, this app called superhuman. Have you heard of it? I yeah. have. People keep using it, and I'm maybe I'm I'm I'm, I'm old human. Yeah, is, is probably what I. I am. was old human up until two weeks ago. <laughs> I was like, you know what, I, I'm I'm seeing too much friction, too much lag in my in my Google, in my Gmail. I it might it might be yeah. like the plugins I have or something, but I need to try this out, and it's been a bit of a game changer. I still miss Gmail, but it's it's definitely definitely helped. Interesting. Okay, well I'm gonna have to take yeah, a look I'll, at I'll it. I'll send you uh, send you an intro after the call. Uh, yeah. So I guess the, the next question then is if you had just a hundred dollars, um, there's no fig loans. It's, you, it's just you on the street, a hundred dollars. I guess you have an apartment and living and all that stuff. How do you turn that hundred dollars into $2,000 in two weeks? Oh, dude, it's, it's great. You asked me this cause I just had this conversation with my girlfriend a couple Love of weeks it. ago. <laughs> watermelon juice stand in the summer of New York. Okay. <laughs> Buy the watermelons, put them in the blender, Sell the juice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So you just buy a bunch of water. I love it. You just have to get a table. Yeah. Probably no permit. Yeah. Do you need a permit? No, I, I. I mean, you do. For the record, you do need a yeah. permit. But you just get yeah. started. Ask for forgiveness later. Do you? Do you? Would you need to get a kid to 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 sell with you? Like, do you think as a grown man, people are gonna buy watermelon water? Watermelon juice. I think when it's 90 degrees <laughs> and you are walking on the streets of New York and it's super yeah. humid, nothing beats a cold glass yeah. of juice. And watermelon juice is just, it's sweet, delicious. Like, like you know there's nothing in it because I'm just blending the watermelon I respect in front of you. It. <laughs> I respect it. All right. So, it's not fancy, but it gets yeah. the job done. All right. So last question. Um, you're allowed one meal for the rest of your life. This is for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the same meal. Um, what's your meal? And don't hold back on details. Paint a picture. Paint a picture. All right. Okay. So, get your greens in, right? So it's got to have some sort of like green smoothie. Mm. Uh, toss in like kale, fruit, like some protein. Like that's really my nutritional aspect. My favorite food is French fries. So you got to have French fries, and they can't be the the like fat steak fries. It's got to be like, like the the almost the sheep string fries it's super thin pretty crispy decent amount of salt would be nice and then from there i would say i should really 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 like broccoli uh <laughs> so i have to put broccoli i know it's kind of weird i really like broccoli um 
side, side story. I actually heard about someone who got a kidney stone from eating too much broccoli, but we, we can come back to that <laughs> later. <laughs> uh, salmon. I would, I would take it. Oh, if you could just give it to me and I can kind of have it raw and also cooked, that'd be great. Uh, but if I had to choose, I, I'd probably just have it raw. Uh, I've, I've, I've actually been to like, I'll go to like H Mart or something and like, I'll just buy a piece of salmon like a half pound yeah. of salmon and I'll, I'll just hold it in my hand and eat it like an apple. Wow. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I, I love it. Uh, if you haven't tried it, like it's actually kind of nice to have sushi and like have as much of the fish as you want. <laughs> right. As opposed to like the portions that they force you to take on when they make sushi. Like you just have what yeah. you want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then ice cream's got to be dessert. Uh, I'd say it's either going to be like strawberry mochi or tonight though ben and jerry's nice i like that this 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 is a it's a very dynamic meal man <laughs> <laughs> it's a dynamic meal for sure <laughs> awesome man well thank you so much for taking the time out today but i really appreciate it i learned a lot a lot of motivation especially in terms of tackling problems in this ecosystem thank you again man yeah thanks for spending the time appreciate it Awesome, man. All right, Jeff, enjoy the weekend. I'll talk to you in a bit. Sounds good, man. You too. See you.